Um, loved, you guys love Ephesians. Is that not one of the most amazing books in all of Scripture? I call it a, a kind of a little Romans because there's so much great theology and then there's such practical living in that coming out of what happens uh, with the gospel. And so you, you've, you've been learning about how God has chosen us before the foundation of the world to be like him, that he's adopted us for the purpose of his will, that he's predestined us to be part of his family, that we were at once dead in our trespasses and sins, and now because of the grace that he showed us, we're now alive. And it's nothing that we've done. It's only by his grace. And then now that he has done that for us, he's now said, I have created you for good works, that you are my masterpiece, that you're my treasured possession, and I want you to go and do good works. And, and Paul talks in, in, as he moves from that part of the book into preaching to the Gentiles, that he, how he was called to preach to the Gentiles, and how he was to bring light, um, and that the, the church was to be the manifold wisdom to be made known by the church. And so as you've been studying this rich theology from the book of, of Ephesians, Elroy goes, I, I would love you to talk about what does it look like for us to take that practically and put that into a witness. And so that's where we're going, going today. Let me just open in prayer, and then we'll, we'll get into our text this morning. So Father God, we just praise you and thank you for who you are. Uh, we thank you that you love us, that you have adopted us, that you've chosen us before the foundation of the world to be conformed to the image of your Son. And we thank you that it's not because we're just really good people or we've done good things. It's because, Jesus, that you are good, that you came to this life, this earth, that you lived a perfect life that we could not live, that we were unable to live. And, Jesus, that you died a death in our place that each one of us deserved and that you died and rose again and were raised by the Holy Spirit that now lives in us, Scripture tells us. And so, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we so praise you and thank you. I pray as we, as we look at some verses uh, from your holy word that we would, Lord, leave this place more excited uh, about who you are, what you've done in our life, and the ability and the ways to, to express that to those around us. So, Jesus, we pray uh, now. I ask you now by your spirit that you would give me the words. Maybe I leave the words on the page that should not be said and that I would say the things that will bring honor and glory to your name and to your name only, Jesus. We pray all these things for our joy and for your glory, Jesus, in your awesome and great name. Amen. So the text that, I, that, I, that Pastor Elroy look, asked me to look at today what comes from Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, and if you, it's going to be up on the screen, and all the this, all this scripture today will be up on the screen, but if you want to turn there, you can. Uh, it's Acts chapter 1, and, and I'll be looking at it from the uh, English Standard Version. Now, what's happened is, is Jesus has lived his life, he's gone to the cross, he's rose again, and he's now about to ascend into heaven. He's been around for 40 days. He showed himself to his disciples, to many people, and he showed himself to over 500 people. So people have seen Jesus. They've seen him alive. They've seen him uh, heal people, raise people from the dead, heal the blind, heal the leprosy, feed them. They've seen him be crucified. They've seen him alive. And now, these are the last words that he's saying to his disciples says this, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you, talking to his disciples that are with him, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be, 
you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. The reality is, is Jesus, he's leaving his disciples. He's telling them what's going to happen. He said before, wait. I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And then you will be. It's not, I hope you will be, but you will be my witnesses. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have the gift of evangelism. Not many people do. A lot of us are scared to share our faith when we say, I'm supposed to be a witness. And that kind of, well, that's not for me. That's for somebody else. And and I don't think that Jesus was just talking to a bunch of evangelists, people who are really extroverted and really good at talking to other people. But he wanted them to be their witnesses. And see, as we've gone through, as you've gone through the book of Ephesians, as we understand how amazing the gospel is, we get a sense of who God is by Jesus coming to earth. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know who I am, you know your Father. And if you don't know me, you don't know the Father. Um, This summer, um, my wife and I had, uh, our, our family had the opportunity to have a girl come from the Ukraine in, from an orphanage. Uh, kids in the Ukraine, uh, they're in orphanages, um, and at 14 or 16, they, they age out, and they're just by themselves on the streets. And so we felt really convicted that we were called to, to have this person come. So, so we had an opportunity, came out of the blue, to host a girl named Victoria for the summer. She's a 13-year-old girl. She came over, and we were hoping that by the end of the summer that we would know if we were called to adopt her. She wanted to be adopted, and she came over, and she came off the plane, and we got to know her a little bit. And beautiful, cute girl. And we tried, and we tried to connect with her. And through stuff that's happened in her life, she just was not able to connect with us. She was here for five weeks, and she communicated to my wife by herself four times, and each time was in a store that she wanted something. I was able to manage three side hugs in five weeks. And my wife and I had had this, this desire to adopt for over 13 years, and we, we finally felt it was, in my wife and we've had several, we would call them adoptive miscarriages, where we've were so close and then it just didn't work out. They chose another family, other circumstances. And so my wife's heart was has been broken in the past. And I said, let's let's keep going. We're called to do this. And this way that came out, out out of the out of the blue in the summer was completely out of the blue. It was like miracle after miracle that happened for us to have her here. So we felt for sure that this was something that God was was calling us to do. So she she came over. And we tried, and we tried, and we tried to connect. And there was absolutely no connection with my wife, with my sons, with their girlfriends, with other children. It was, it was, it was really saddening. We knew her story. She told us her story through the interpreter of, of what she's gone through as a child. And I, I can't even imagine how she feels knowing what she's been through in, in compared to the life that I've had here in Canada. On Wednesday, we took her to the airport. And as we were at the airport, there was, there was five other children that were there with their host families. 
And there was another girl that this was the same age as Victoria. She was 13. And as we were there, the dad and her walked in hand in hand. There was another little girl there, and they were, they were holding hands. They were, they were embracing each other. They were, they were weeping that they were leaving. And I stood there awkwardly with this girl that we never connected with. And my heart was just completely broken because I so wanted to connect to this girl. I so wanted to adopt her because I know where she's going back to. After she told us her story when she first got here, my wife and I said to her, we're so sorry that you've gone through this pain. And you know what she said to me? She says, it's okay. I survived. Heartbreaking. This girl needs a daddy. I so wanted to be that for her. My heart weeped, and and as I left, I walked out of the airport, and I got to my car, and I just wept. Because I so wanted to be her dad. I so wanted to give and express that love to her. But it was not accepted, and we don't know why. And I got, I'm trying to figure out, why did you call us to do this, Lord? Why? And and, and the only thing that I come up with is I got a, a, a touch of what it's like for the Father's love to want to love and not have that love expressed in return. And I guess that's the sense that, that I get with Jesus. When, when Jesus was doing lots of ministry, he had sent his disciples out. They came back, and Jesus said, they're tired, so let's get on a boat. They went on a boat, and they, they were rowing across the Sea of Galilee, and the people saw that they were rowing there, and they, they all left and walked around. And as Jesus got to this place, they were all there waiting for him. And it says this in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. He says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he saw compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And I believe that's the way that God is for lost people in this world. That he's now gone. He's, he's left us. He said, it's actually going to be better that I would go away and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so you guys can be my witness. See, because the heart of the Father is to draw people to himself. The heart of Jesus was to leave his earthly throne and come to this earth so he could draw us back to himself into the relationship that we walked away when we were in the garden. And all of us have walked away, just like Adam and Eve have walked away from God. That relationship is broken, and we need something to bring us back into relationship with God. And that's what Jesus did. He came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died a death in our place that I and you deserved. And Jesus was raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit. And so when we look at, at being a witness, this, this sermon, and, and I don't think what, what Jesus was meaning here was meant to be a guilt trip that we've got to go and do more. But no, it's, it's, the reality is, is what is the, the, the how of our witness. It's, it's not a sense of what we've got to go and do but the reality is, is there is no plan B to reach lost people. The church is it. We're, we are his witness. There are no other witnesses out there. We are it. And so how do we do that? So my first point is, that what's the how of our witness? The how of our witness is, is, what did it say? It says, you will be my witness 
you will receive power. So the power not, doesn't come from us trying to will it up or trying to make ourselves think that we've got to go do it. It's, it's the power of God and the Holy Spirit, and you have knowing the Father's heart that he wants to draw people to himself. So we will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit was, came 10 days later, the day of Pentecost, fell upon the church. And then after that, the church exploded. 3,000 in one day. And that just, it was just happening because the Holy Spirit came. And now it was revealed who Jesus was and what he'd done. See, the reality is, is when we go like, who am I to go do this? Who am I to be a witness? Exactly, you're nothing. I am nothing. But we have the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 11 says this. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, dwells in me, Jesus Christ, he will also give you life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. See, the reality of the Spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in us. If you know Christ, if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. That's what Romans 8 tells us. And so we have no excuses. We have the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. So our excuses are gone. It's not about us being gifted. It's not about us being super talented or us being extroverted or introverted or having contacts. It's a simple fact is that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and have that power. It's the same power that that was uh, said in Zechariah when Zerubbabel, who was a, uh, he was leading the, the, uh, he was the head of the tribe of Judah. He was the prime builder of the second temple where they were coming back from exile in Babylon. And it was said to him, it says, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Same thing as, as the spirit was there, as now the spirit is active in the world. It's not we're going to have be a witness by your might, by your good looks, by your anything, other than by his spirit. So in that, only God gets the glory. We can't go, look at me, I'm so great. No, you're not. God is. God is awesome. So the first point is, is the how is the Holy Spirit. The second is, is the what of our witness. What is the what of our witness? You know, we, we hear on, you know, if you ever watch TV or cop shows, or there's, you know, there's a big mob, and then there, there's someone that's really bad, and then they, someone knows that they've done something, and so they put this person in witness protection. And what are they doing when they're putting someone in a witness protection program? Are they wanting their opinion about what this person does or their thoughts? No, what they want is they want their eyewitness accounts of what this person has actually done. So they do that. I've been in car accidents that, this one car accident, we were, we were sitting at a light and there was a, people were coming through. They had a, a green light that was coming towards us and a green turn light. And then a car, actually a car went before us and then we went through and then a, a car came, and I went and T-bowed him because he came through the intersection. And it was clearly his fault. Another car had already gone before us. But this was an elderly gentleman that I, I believe was, was colorblind and honestly thought that he was okay, that he, I was at fault. And I had stopped, and I got witnesses behind me. And they said, well, when I went to talk to the insurance company, they said, well, he says that you were at fault. And I go, oh, okay. Um, here are names of people that were witnesses to this. They phoned the witnesses and go, no, no, actually, the other, the other gentleman was at fault, not you. Were they asking for their opinion of the accident? No. 
When we're asked to be a witness, we're to say, just tell us what you saw. That's all we want. I don't want any commentary. Tell me what you saw. And that is what Jesus is saying to you. I want you to tell them about me and about the difference that I've made in your life. You don't got to make things up. I'm sending you, as he says in John 20, 21. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so even I am sending you. So he's sending us as his witnesses. Witness to what? You see, Jesus said in Luke 19, 10 that he came to seek and save the lost. We've been through Ephesians. You, you've walked through that all summer. You know that, that there's no way that you've saved yourself. That you were dead in your trespasses. All of us were. There's nothing that nobody, nobody dead wakes themselves up. They need to be awoken. And that's what the Spirit does. Awakens his adopted children up. And so the, the, the reality is what we're called to do is just tell the story. Tell the story of what is Jesus doing in your life. You see, we, we want to we talk as if Jesus is actually alive. That's what I think our witness is to be. Um, a little while back, I was just pumping gas at Costco. And I, I was talking to the gentleman, and I asked him, you know, he asked me, what do I do? And I told him what I do. And, and he goes, do you really believe that? Oh, absolutely. And I talked to him. I was able to quickly share the gospel with him as we were pumping gas together. The other day, I was at Starbucks, um, and there was a, a gentleman there that it looked like he lives a tough life. He had a, a hoodie on that every word on the sh- sweatshirt had the F word. And right in the middle of the back of his shirt, there was the F word related to Jesus Christ. And I saw that, and I just got angry. I go, I guess, and I told the guys I was having coffee with, I want to go punch him in the face. That's what I want to do, because nobody says that about Jesus. And I got to stand up for Jesus. But you know what? The Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit did right to go, because you don't need to go do that. You need to go buy him a coffee and tell him I love him. But I don't want to. I want to punch him for you, Jesus. And I'm supposed to be a pacifist. So I went, I tapped him on the shoulder, and I says, I, I just want to let you know something on your, on your shirt kind of offended me. But Jesus tells me that he loves you and he wants to buy you coffee. As he turned around, he has an upside-down cross on his cheek. Like There's something. Something's gone wrong. He's been hurt by the church, by Jesus. He hasn't been hurt by Jesus. He's allegedly been hurt by Jesus because Jesus wants to love him. And so I went to the, to the counter. I says, Jesus wants to buy him a coffee. And she looked, and he said, Sean? And I go, yeah, because Jesus loves Sean. She's like, no, can't love Sean. No way. And then I go, like, and I said, you know, Jesus loves you too. And again, this wasn't something that I was planning. It was just like, God, I, I want to punch him in the face, but now I'm spending money buying a coffee telling the barista and him that Jesus loves him. And I've seen him again, and, and the Lord's implanted on me that, that I'm called to be a witness to this young man. I didn't want to. I wanted to punch him in the face, but, but that's the power of the Spirit. That's not Johnny being a nice guy. That's the Spirit. Going, ah. Oh. And now I have a heart and a compassion for this young man. And all of us, 
are in the same place. And that's where we, we move to our third point. It's, it's the where of our witness. It's where has God placed you? Where has he put you? Where you live? Where you work? Where you're having a cup of coffee? Where you're driving? Where, where has he placed you to be a witness? To be able to share the love of Christ that you have been freely given. And he now wants to freely give it to others. He wants to use you as a witness. It's not this idea that you've got to drum up, like, I've got to do this, I've got to go stand on street corners, and I've got to... No, actually, I, I believe that, that it's so much easier than that. that. That those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, that Jesus has changed our life. He's changed my life, and actually, I'm just going to live like Jesus is actually real. And that's what we're called to do as a witness. Is just like, yeah, Jesus is real. He's real. He just told me that he wants to buy you coffee and he loves you. That's, he's real to me. He's real to me of how he works in my life, how he shapes my identity when I am desiring things that are earthly. Go, that's, I'm going to look better if I have that or if I have this career or do that, then I will look better, feel better. But no, my, my identity is actually in Christ because the Father says to me that he's well-pleased with me. Not because I do anything, but because Jesus did it in my place. You see, in John 17, Jesus had a high priestly prayer. And he prayed that, that we, his people, would have and be loved the exact same way that he is loved by the Father. And I believe that Jesus gets what he asks for. So I believe that God loves me the way he loved Jesus. That Jesus is, God is pleased with me, not because of my good works, but because of Jesus' good works in my place. And that is the beauty of the gospel. You see, if we, if we truly believe the Bible, if we truly believe the book of Ephesians that Pastor Elroy just took you through, we will know that all we deserve is death, hell, and separation from God forever. That's all we deserve. That's all I deserve. And all we've been given is grace because of Jesus, because Jesus pursued us because he left his home and he came here. He says, where are we supposed to go? He says, first of all, you're going to go to Jerusalem. It's going to happen here in Jerusalem. We see that happening when the day of Pentecost, it comes, the Holy Spirit comes, thousands of people get saved. And it's going to go into Judea and Samaria. It's going to go north. It's going to go south. It's going to go to where your enemies are. And how did that happen? The only way that witness actually spread was because of persecution. Paul came and started persecuting the church. And so the church expanded, fled, went to the ends of the earth, which would, in that time would have been Rome. We read in Revelation 7 that we won't be able to count the multitudes of people that are there from every nation. You see, it wasn't just meant for the Jewish people. When, when God tapped Abraham on the shoulder in Genesis 12, he says, you're going to be a blessing to everybody all nations. And Jesus has been, is a blessing to all nations. Acts 17 26 says this, and he says, and he made from one man every nation of the mankind to live on the, live on all the face of the earth, having determined, now listen to this, determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. What Paul is saying there is that each one of us has been place where we are. When we moved to Calgary six years ago, we walked around and go, Lord, where are you calling us to, to live? 
which lot do you want us to buy? And we, so we, we did that. We go, we, we think this is the lot we're supposed to buy. We don't know why, but this, this is what we want to do. Fast forward two years that we're here. Um, we're doing this kind of, and, I, and I'm not sure this is new for me, and it was the first time this ever happened to me. We were doing this, um, yeah, I had a group of church planners, and we were, we were doing this thing of, uh, I don't even know what it was called, but basically, do you want to ask the Lord if he wants to do something in your life? Give you a picture, give you something. So, so we're, we're doing this, and all of a sudden I get this image of my neighbor bawling, crying. Like, this guy lifts weights. My house shakes because he drops weights, and the whole house shakes. And I, I got this image of him bawling. Two weeks later, i at home watering my grass, midday. And all of a sudden, there's my neighbor weeping uncontrollably. I go over and I sit down on the stairs. And I says, what's going on? He said, this morning, I was at a park. And I had an extension cord wrapped around my neck and I was going to jump off a tree, kill myself. So as I sat there with him, as he was like bawling, weeping uncontrollably, I was able to share the love of Jesus with him. And he said to me, he says, man, I'm so glad that God called you to live in this neighborhood, to live beside me. I needed you today. And it was this this sense of like, was that me being, oh, I figured this out. No, it's like, I don't even, until then, I didn't really even believe in prophet, prophetic dreams and stuff. It's like, this came true. Like, this was crazy. This is not normal. But again, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, of, of God and His Father's heart. Like, I had a glimmer this week of, of Him wanting to reach lost people and bring them back to Himself, wanting to bring them into relationship with Himself. And, and that's what I believe God wants to do. I love Scripture. I love, and hear me, hear me, I love the doctrine of election. Romans 9, I love it. Because it says, man, I, I've done nothing, but God is so good. I can't say that I've earned my salvation. I can't lose my salvation because God's given it as a gift. He's adopted me as a son. He said, I'm well pleased with you, Johnny. But we also have Romans 10. And if we believe Romans 9 is true, we've got to believe that Romans 10 is also true. And Romans 10 says this, For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. So friends, as we have Romans 9, we have Romans 10, we have Acts 17 where you've put, you've put it in the exact place where God's called you to be. And we're not called, I don't think, to stand on the street corners. Maybe some of you are. But we've been called to where we live, to where we work, to where we play, in our families who don't know Christ. We're called to be a witness. And it's not telling them that they're sinners and they're so bad. It's simply saying, I want to tell you. I want to be a witness of what Jesus has done in my life. I'm going to tell you. Jesus is so good. My identity was over here, and now it's over here. I've been trying my whole life to get approval and, and think that I'm okay or good enough. And yet Jesus, when I, as I understand Jesus, he says that I'm 
good enough, not because of what I've done or what I'm going to do. It's because of what he's done. And oh, that gives me peace. Oh, it's so good. God is so good. So the reality is our witness is for us to just live as Jesus is real. Do you live like that? Do you live your life like Jesus is actually real? Do you talk about him like he's real? Do you pray like he's real? It's not just a bunch of theological concepts that we understand. Friends, Jesus is real. The gospel is not just a way to to get us into heaven. It's a way that we live daily. And as we live daily, people go, what's with you? Why why do you want to buy Sean a cup of coffee? It's because Jesus is real and he's drawn Sean to himself. And Jesus just asked at that moment, he goes, John, do you want to come play with me? Do you want to come? I I think I want to show love to Sean. Do you want to do it? Yeah, I'll do it. And that's where I get joy and he gets glory. And I'm not anything special. We all have the same Holy Spirit. And there's times where I've totally, I don't want to go do that. I don't want to go be, show Christ to that person. I don't want to tell Christ, tell a pe- person about Christ. But I believe that, that God is drawing people to himself and, and the, the beauty that he doesn't need you. He doesn't need you. But he wants to use you. He will, he will get his, his glory any way he, he, he will. But he chooses to use us. So witness, how do we do it? We do it by the power of the Spirit. We don't do it by sheer willpower and trying harder and having these crazy personalities. We do it by the power of the Spirit, by listening to the Spirit, by believing that Jesus and God is, is wooing people to himself because he wants to give them what you have. He wants to forgive them of their sins. He wants to give them life and a purpose for life. He wants to give them their identity of not trying to strive or do more, but their identity in him. And he wants to have that relationship restored that's broken. As I had a glimmer this week of of wanting to have this relationship with this girl that needs a father and needs a mother and needs a family. And the aching of I wanted to do that is I know that's that's an inkling of the aching that the father has to bring people back to himself. The what? What has Jesus done for you? And if you're here and you call yourself a Christian and you don't know what Jesus has done for you, are you a Christian? Do you actually know Christ? Have you experienced that grace in your life? You could just ascend to a bunch of rules, but that's, that's not what the gospel is. And if you, if you honestly can't say what Jesus has done in your life, then, then I would pray that you would wrestle with that, that the Holy Spirit would make you so uncomfortable, that you've got to figure out why can't I have that relationship with Jesus Christ? Why can't I, I tell people what he's done for me? And the last thing is where? Where has he positioned you? Where has he placed you at work? Who at work has God laid in your heart? If he hasn't, would you pray that he would lay someone in his heart? Where has he placed you to live? Where has he placed customers that you might have or places you go to school? family members, wherever it would be. He's placed you uniquely at this moment in time for you to be his witness. And as you open your mouth and simply talk and live as Jesus is real, God will do things. And you won't get any glory. You will get joy. And God will get all the glory. Because you're not that good. I'm not that good. But man, Jesus sure is. His Holy Spirit absolutely is. So I want to end off with, with this. Would you be willing to ask for one opportunity this week to be a witness? 
Just one. To pray right now and say, Lord, would you give me an opportunity this week to be a witness for you? And not this is just act like a good Christian, but this is to open our mouth. You see, because the witness is, every witness is always asked to testify. What did you see? So this week, would you, would you be willing to pray for an opportunity? Say, God, I won't give me one opportunity this week that I could actually talk to someone else that you're actually real in my life. One. What would happen in this church? And I know there's two separate congregations that are going to split off tomorrow again. But what, next week again. But what would it look like if that became a regular routine of your church? That each week you were simply asking, Lord, show me someone that I can be a witness to this week. Isn't that pretty simple? Isn't that simple evangelism? But I think it's exactly what Jesus was talking about here. Just talk about me that I'm real. Once a week. Hey, whatever that would look like. I, I think it would, it would change. It would change your life. It would change our churches. Let's give you an opportunity this week. Like if everyone was doing that, man, I, I believe our churches would grow. And I believe that's the Father's heart is to draw more people to in relationship that he wants to show and express his love for. So this week, will you, will you live as if Jesus were real? And when the opportunity comes, just open your mouth and say, this is what Jesus is doing in my life. Awesome. What, you actually believe in Jesus? Yeah, he's awesome. Let me tell you. Let's pray. So Father God, we just praise you and thank you uh, that you love us. Jesus, we thank you that you came uh, to this earth. You didn't have to, but you willingly came. That you lived a perfect life. That you died a death that you did not deserve, that we deserved in our place. And now you're seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us right now. And we just praise you and thank you for that love that you've showered upon us. I pray for each man and woman in this place, Father, that you would give us the opportunity this week to be a witness for you. That we could say, yes, Jesus is real. Lord, I pray that you would make us real. And Lord, those in this place that say, man, I, Jesus isn't really real to me, and I think I'm a Christian. So, Lord, would you help them deal with that? I pray that you, by your Spirit that you would just give us opportunities that we would be able to share our faith with those around us, whoever that would be. And, Lord, I just pray that you would continue to draw people to yourself, that you would allow us to have the joy of being partners with you. But, Lord, that you would get all of the praise and all of the glory as you continue to change lives all around us. So, Lord, I thank you for each workplace that we're called to be, every schoolyard, every school classroom, uh, every construction site, every neighborhood, Lord, that we are there for a purpose, to be your witness of what you have done and what you are doing in our lives. So, Jesus, we praise you and we thank you for this. In your great name, Jesus, amen. Uh, we're going to take communion. Um, now, and communion is something that, that Community Grace has done, as d- does every week, to remember that it's